Saving Lives is a true crime podcast. Some of the content on this show might be too graphic for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, guys! Welcome to Crime Wives. We are your hosts. I'm Ronica. And I'm Destiny. And we're stoked to be here. So stoked. Yes. Such a good mood. Such a great mood. Got a... I like coming together on Wednesdays, and we just got to hash everything out, and then we're like, all right, let's talk about people dying. <laughs> yeah, we're like, let's talk about how our weeks have been, and we like to talk about that with you, but we talk about some other personal stuff just together. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we get together, and we get to talk about crime. So it's just, it's a real good Wednesday night. It's a good message. It's a good... It's very just, therapeutic. Very therapeutic. And then we ended on reminding ourselves why we actually have good lives <laughs> so actually my life is great yeah so. um so yeah how's your week going so far so good i am two days away from my birthday birthday right? yeah 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 which we celebrated last friday oh we celebrated it we what i we celebrated it so good because my travis my husband never gets to go out with me with always <laughs> us going out different times we went out together, and <laughs> at the end of the night, we always end at the same bar at the end of the night. Um, it's also the bar that we met in. I'm just throwing that out there. Oh, um, it is. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Every And we always get there whenever I'm just drunk enough to remind all of our friends, and there's where me and Travis met, in case any of you guys forget, <laughs> which apparently no, you do. <laughs> no, I was there. I was literally there. I know where you guys met. Literally all the friends you reminded, most of us were like, duh, Radhika, we were... We yeah, were all there when you guys I met. Always, I wake up the next morning, I'm like, God, I told them all again where I met in front of them. <laughs> so by the end of that night, um, I had ordered fries. You know I love our fries there. Right. Uh, order fries. I'm getting our Uber ready. We're ready to go home. We see people from high school we hadn't seen in a long time. One of them asks for the fries, and Travis just handed them all of my fries. Oh, my God. So on the way home, the Uber driver just heard me not seriously mad at Travis, but drunkenly really upset that my fries were gone. <laughs> and he was just, that Uber driver got an earful of me mad about French fries. <laughs> Being really upset about yeah. those French fries. I just know that when we got out of the car, I was like, thank you, have a good night. And he was like, hope you get some fries. <laughs> I was like, yeah, me too, bye. <laughs> so it was good celebrating. It just like it starts your tangent over again. God damn it, Travis. I walked, I literally walked into our house open it was like well I guess I gotta eat something else open the freezer no fries in here like I was ridiculous <laughs> not even passive aggressive you're just no it was very I passive was aggressive. too passive aggressive <laughs> it was definitely what I was um well we also celebrated Michaela's birthday oh yeah we have a friend Michaela shout out and you guys are like a week and a half apart but yeah I mean in birthday she, it's not she, an age she left us pretty early Okay, she broke her foot, Destiny. <laughs> Just straight to Burn City. Destiny's not mad. <laughs> she broke her foot, was on crutches, said, you know what, guys, I think I want to go home. To which Destiny replied, you're the worst. <laughs> so, But she actually, what's worse about this, making me look worse, is that she slipped and her foot yeah well she slipped but she like caught herself but her foot got swollen she told me it was swollen for like two days after and i was like she slipped on her crutches while she was out trying to celebrate her birthday and was like you know what i'd rather go home (laughs) and celebrate at home on my couch and destiny was like no you wouldn't i'm like you know you were definitely on the bandwagon of you're not leaving (laughs) but at one point i finally was like guys her 
foot. <laughs> That's true. And then I think we finally all accepted it. Yeah. And, and she probably liked us more for that. Yeah. She's like, about time. It's been 30 minutes of me convincing you guys I can go home. <laughs> yeah. So. so that's a, uh, I, uh, this weekend we're going to um, the beach for my birthday, which maybe I already mentioned, I don't know. Um, going to the beach for Might my birthday, well. stoked about that because it's, it's kind of, I like the idea of like, it's my birthday when I would usually go out and do a bunch of more party stuff, but I'm like, just going to a beach house, gonna chill and probably drink a lot of mimosas. There you go. I mean, hey, that's the way to do it. Yeah. So. Me, and, me and Alex did a birthday like that because our birthdays are like two weeks apart mm-hmm. and we just went to the beach house for like two days and just didn't talk to anybody. And I was like, this is like the best birthday I've had. Yeah. It's nice. It was very nice. Yeah. But I hope you you have a great time. Thank you. What are you doing this week? Um, okay. Well, I'll mention what else we didn't mention is on Friday, we bought tickets to my bachelorette party. Oh yeah, we did. Mm Vegas. Um, so Mm -hmm. we're going, we're going there. Yeah. We're going to Vegas. That's going to be. (laughs) there's a lot we're excited about it now tune in at the end of september when we record the episode or not the end but the middle of september when we were oh middle of september is your okay tune in at the end of september after she's married and we've all survived vegas and then we'll tell you how that truly went yeah we'll we'll see how that goes um uh, so then and then i celebrated your birthday i celebrated somebody else's birthday um I finally watched A Star is Born. <laughs> oh, uh, not a good one for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I've just, I've been busy. I'm always, you've, you're always, I, yeah. I say it all the time. I'm mm-hmm. always busy. Um, I have engagement photos on oh, when is that? Saturday. Oh, this Saturday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Question mark. No, on Saturday. Hopefully one of you shows up. <laughs> um, so, me, procrastination. I need to go get us outfits tomorrow. Oh, so, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I have that I'm gonna, to do. I'm going to assume Alex is going for a black shirt. And is it jeans? Or... Alex is going to wear what I buy for him because he's not going. I got to send you today. You know when your memories pop up on Snapchat? I got one today that was... Apparently, us all at the bar at All Stars three years ago, and I just have a picture of Alex's butt in, I mean, in jeans, <laughs> fully clothed, but it's just me trying. And there's some friend that is, it's hard to tell which friend it is that's trying to pop out on the side. I'm like, what on earth? <laughs> and I could just imagine if Alex is a little drunk, he's like, look at my butt. Yeah, well, he was, he's like kind of leaning on a table and popping it out. Um, and he's wearing a black shirt and blue jeans. Yeah, and that's weird. why I and, and his converse. He like, sure is. You don't even have to post his face. I could just see by his outfit. Yeah, you're so. like, that one's mine. Yep, basically. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so there's our... There's that. Week in a nutshell. <laughs> There's that. I guess it's time to, uh, we got all of our vent, all of our talk, and now it's time to just delve into the crime stuff. Delve in. Yeah, let's talk to, yeah, you heard me. I don't, I, I'm taking, you know what? I didn't stutter. You can delve, right? <laughs> I don't, I absolutely used that incorrectly, but you can still delve. <laughs> I'm completely willing to delve in with you. <laughs> Let's delve right in. All right. What are you talking about this week? Okay. So the first thing that this is, um, I always, apparently I always have to, I'm not going to cite my sources this time. I'm just going to do this a little different, actually. Well, it sounds like you had a crazy amount of sources, so. Uh, Yeah. So, well, the first, when I first, you know, Murderpedia, this one was one of those, I'm just going to pick one and I'm just going to go and I'm going to do it. 
and or just see kind of what I like and I found one and I was you know halfway through reading it and it was like well looks like I'm doing this one because I am balls deep in this right now <laughs> like I could not stop reading about it you're and, like rabbit hole already into it and you're like, yes okay and of course I get it all out on paper and then I'm like oh there's I have a lot of questions this might not be a good choice so then I you know went back yesterday and even this morning um went back and just try to find more Google sources or anything. And then all of a sudden I came up on this website that's like, here's the court document, like word for word, a lot of numbers in court documents. <laughs> Where I was, every time they refer to a police officer, it's like six, eight, five star. And then they'll tell the officer. Oh, blah, blah. And so it was kind of hard to read through, but it answered more questions for me. So I'm going to read where, if it does get a little bit confusing, it's because I went in and added some stuff that okay. is me talking a little more myself and not trying to, here's information. Okay. Yeah. So I'm probably not going to stop as much as I usually do, which some people might prefer. You're welcome, those people. <laughs> <laughs> but um, then at the end, I think if your brain works anything like mine does, as the story keeps happening, you're going to have questions. I'm going to stop and... Um, kind of put in some snippets, but there's that. So this is the case of, well, I've got it titled very strange. It was the biggest mass murder in Connecticut history for 1990s or 1977 until 2012. So there's never, the only one that's ever been bigger was in 2012 in Connecticut history. Um, but this is uh, the story of Lorne, which I will not say his first name throughout this story because <laughs> Lorne is a very awkward word to say. His name is Lorne J. Aquin. So we gonna call him Aquin. All right, all right. <laughs> okay, so uh, residents living in Cedar Hill Drive, Connecticut, were awoken from their sleep in the early hours of, of Friday, 22nd. Okay, already I wrote it weird. It was the 22nd of July <laughs> in 1977. <laughs> by the smell of smoke and crackling of fire. Upon looking outside, it was very clear that the neighbor's house was in flames. The firefighters were called and they tried to put out the fire quickly, but despite their best efforts, the house was eventually gutted. Then, when firefighters entered still smoldering home, they found the charred remains of human corpses. Oh. I should have warned everyone at the top, mine does have child murders in it, so... If you don't want to hear about child murders, which usually I do not, as we all know, this is the time to skip forward to Destiny's part. <laughs> or towards the end, they came upon 29-year-old Mrs. Cheryl Bowden dead on the kitchen floor. She's the same age as me. Just throwing it out yeah. there. Her clothes burned from her body. The bodies of three children were discovered in the bedroom to the right of the hall and two others in the bedroom to the left. Another child was dead in the master bedroom and two more in the bathroom. So if we're doing the math here, there were eight children in this home. Holy there were nine crap. people dead altogether. Yeah. Investigators later noticed that Mrs. Bowden and several of the children had their hands tied behind their backs um, with two in the bathroom had their feet bound together. All children appeared to have head wounds. Oh. So I'm just... I think it's necessary to state the victims here. So the victims, apart from Mrs. Bowden, were her own seven children. Frederick, who was 12, Aaron, Aaron Lee, who was 10, Deborah, 9, Paul, 8, Roderick, oh, I like that name a lot, Roderick, 6, Holly Ann, Holly Lynn, sorry, 5, Mary Lou, 4. 
The ninth victim was Mrs. Bowden's niece, Jennifer Sorrento, who was six, who had been staying with the family. Oh my gosh. Can I just... Now you know. (laughs) Yes. Why I was like, oh gosh. One thing that I'm kind of thinking about right now, though, is... Mm -hmm. She was 29 with I, seven kids. I stress over my one child. Yes. And I, I mean, I did this case oh, yesterday or whatever. Um, and I'm putting, or I'm like adding more details to it yesterday. Somehow it had like skipped over me that all of these were her children. I just knew that there was children there. And I was like, well, that was a big sleepover or whatever. Um, which later on we're going to see that there's a sleepover as mentioned. So that's what my brain put together. Yeah. These are all her children except for one. And that's she's a, 29. That's a lot of children. Her oldest is 12. <laughs> I just, yeah. What year, what year does this This is 1977. Okay. I mean, I don't know that 1977, a 29-year-old having eight children is, or seven children, is super common because it wasn't around back then. But I know that more, yeah. Either way, these were all of her children. Her and her children were all murdered in that's their home. That's awful. Yes. Moving on. Thankfully, police immediately launched the largest murder investigation in Connecticut's criminal history. Postmortems established that Mrs. Bowden died from head injuries and a stab wound to the chest. Um, Paul, one of the children, also died from head injuries, while the others perished from a combination of head injuries and smoke inhalation. So none of them just, d- yeah. Yeah, not okay. all of them were yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So there's as far as I'll go into this. There was more information about different um, specifics that, in my opinion, didn't matter. Um, and I, I've established that I don't like to go in depth about kids dying. Yeah. So, this story is bananas. I had to tell it. So within 24 hours, detectives had interviewed more than 100 potential witnesses, including the husband who had been at work around 3.45 a.m. when the murders took place, and his foster brother, Lorne J. Aquin. The neighbors reported that the children had been swimming in her pool the night before uh, the fire took place when Aquin, a 5'8", 130-pound man with long black hair and a mustache, came over. And then here's a quote. She said, When he showed up, the kids were all excited, hugging and kissing him, the neighbor had said. Um, and one of the children also mentioned that Aquin was going to be sleeping overnight um, at the Bowden home on the night that the murders took place. So somehow in there, okay. she hears the kids mention that there's going to be a sleepover at some point, too. Which is why I had assumed these <laughs> were not all of her children. Gotcha. Okay. So a witness later confirmed that a man had been seen in a car that matched Aquin's car leaving the area that same night. So... That's, this is information that I probably could have slid in here after, but it's pretty clear where I'm going with this. Yeah. Okay. Frederick Bowden's foster brother, Lauren J. Aquin, um, was then 27, was quickly identified as the main suspect. Police apprehended Aquin, um, a roofer who was on parole at his Waterbury apartment on July 22nd at 9.30 a.m., just hours after the fire, essentially. Okay. He had lived with the family a few years earlier. I am going to note here, he lived with the family a few years earlier. I can't remember if I say the next information that I want to give. Mm-hmm. So just remember this part. He okay. had lived with this family before. Yeah. Moving on. After police questioned Aquin three times in three places and then allowed him to meet with his prison psychiatrist, Aquin admitted to the slangs shortly after midnight 
on July 23rd. Okay, well, that was quick. Quick and right into it, because this case tends to, in everything that I could find about it, focus more on the court situation than the kids. And usually I'd be like, well, let's focus on the victims. In this case, bad thing happened, let's focus on this. Yeah, yeah. So he admitted to the slangs. He was booked on nine counts of murder and one count of arson um, at the Bethany State Police Barracks after giving a seven-page type confession. Note, oh, wow. seven pages. Okay. So the, that day, police also found a trash bag full of bloody clothing near Aquin's driveway. Here's another detail. Listen to it. We'll talk about it. Okay. <laughs> and bloody shoes and socks in the trunk of the car that drove the night uh, that he drove the night of the killing. So that seems very, it's all, it's there. Yes, it all seems like the evidence is here. Okay. Aquin had a criminal record as well and had served two terms in the state maximum security prison in Summers. He went in for larceny in April 1974 and was released on parole in February 1975, was sentenced for escape in March uh, 1976 and released on parole in September. The larceny that they're referencing, I'm fairly certain he went to jail for, was the previous home that he had lived in with them. Their house caught on fire then. So, oh wow, there's another detail that is in the first few times I'm reading about it, this wasn't mentioned. That was mentioned in the court document. Okay, he had set fire to well, yes, the, a the, fire was set to. Mm-hmm. Yes. This so is all seeming very it easy. It all kind of stacks up, yeah. right? Okay. Shortly after Aquin was booked, defense attorney John R. Williams, and I'm going to go ahead and call this guy just one of the best defense attorneys I'm sure that's been around or was around at the time. All right, we'll take it. Mm-hmm, of New Haven, accused state police of, quote, gross misbehavior in the investigation. And I said it in a douchey accent on purpose. <laughs> Um, Williams, who later represented Aquin as a murder uh, in his murder trial, said police held Aquin for 14 hours and coerced him into confessing, telling him he couldn't see a lawyer until he admitted to the murders. You know, as all defense lawyers yeah. do. Um, State Police Commissioner Edward P. Leonard refused to comment on Williams' claims and said after Aquin's arrest, quote, I'm absolutely sure he's the man who committed the crime. Aquin was held on a $250,000 bond. Aquin was indicted by a grand jury on September 7th, 1977. Eight days later, he pleaded not guilty. What? Which is, I was like, come on. Aquin was moved from the prison to the Whit- Whitting? Whitting Forensic Institute, a state men's mental hospital in Middleton, on October 5th for, quote, security reasons. Well, he had been charged with escape before, right? Exactly. Yeah, so they're yes. like, we're so not they're giving like, this guy another chance. Again, I could not find more information on when he escaped. Like, you know, in a 10-buddy situation. Yeah. They're like, and then he escaped here, and this is what he was doing. This guy, they didn't, there Speaking wasn't of, a ton. Yeah. Did you watch the movie? I didn't. I didn't. We'll get back to this in a couple weeks. Tune in later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this was one of those cases that I that I had a hard time with because there wasn't a lot of information about his criminal past. Yeah. Um, which I think could have been stacked against him in court. But again, I think that there's a lot of things that defense lawyers can say this is inadmissible. Yeah. I'm def- pretty oh, sure that's probably one of those things. So he was officially committed on October 31st. Oh, great. Oh, I almost said Christmas. <laughs> Halloween. 
After court-appointed psychiatrists testified that Aquin could be suffering from schizophrenia or a form of epilepsy and could be dangerous to himself and others. During court proceedings and the trial, horrific details of the crimes emerged, but Williams, Aquin's lawyer, maintained that the state's case was based on inadmissible confession. Here's kind of the... This is where I chime in and just, I'm like, essentially, here's what took place. Because I read about it in the court document and I decided, okay, no, it's very clear. The defense lawyer is kind of saying this. Okay. So what took place the day of questioning is that they brought Aquin in to be questioned in the morning. He was there for a long time and then he just asked to leave. An officer took him home upon his request because they made it clear he wasn't under arrest. If you ask to leave, you can leave. Yeah. So where the um, lawyer is saying, well, he was coerced and he was held there for so many hours, blah, blah, blah. They're like, he asked to leave and we asked him to leave or we let him leave. However, on their way home, the sergeant called and requested that um, they try and bring him back. Um, to the station. Of course, Aquin denied that request and said he just wanted to go home. He didn't want to hear any further details of the murder. He kept saying he didn't want to hear any more details. You don't want to know about it anymore. Um, and then he proceeded to jump out of the moving vehicles so officers had to come to the scene. Security reasons. Uh, right. <laughs> so he's not, if he's, I completely understand in a situation where you're being um, if I was being targeted for something that I didn't do and everyone's like, dude, you burned down a house. I can't say I wouldn't jump out of a car, but I can pretty much guarantee that I probably would. Okay. <laughs> so I just, I know that was very confusing statement, <laughs> but I don't know that jumping out of a car would look good. And I know in my brain, I'd be like, well, this won't look good. Yeah. If you're innocent, that seems like a very rash thing to do. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So he jumps out of the car. The sergeant gets to the scene. When the sergeant arrived, he spoke with Aquin, and he's talking to him really closely and calmly, and at some point he even puts his hand on his shoulder, and um, and eventually he gets him to agree to go back to the station. At the station, where more interviewing took place, eventually he asks if he can speak with a psychiatrist from his um, old jail. So it's like, at some point in this, I there's a ton of dialogue that where they're going back and forth and back and yeah. forth, and a lot of what they're talking about is inaudible. So it'll say like, "The officer says this." Aquin, inaudible. I'm like, "Well, this is not helpful." <laughs> so, <laughs> so he just basically wanted to talk to somebody he was comfortable with. Exactly. He says, "I want to talk to somebody that I trust." And what he's the reason he's saying he wants to talk to someone that he trusts is because it's obvious he'd like to confess. So when I said he confesses up at the top, when you're like, well, that's a... It was this hours and hours that actually took place. Oh, okay. Of him going back and forth and back and forth of... And then he finally is like, I would like to speak to someone that I trust. So they bring in his old psychiatrist. Took him a while to get in. Um, So in this 14 hours that they're talking about of him being held... Three of them, he's taking a nap on the couch. Like, okay, and there's not, there's a lot of stuff happening. In there's those a lot of stuff hours. happening. There's a lot of people being questioned, not just him. He's not the only person being questioned. There's a ton of people in this house, or in this in this house, in this building, <laughs> in different rooms, being questioned. And he, they let him know at any point if he wants to leave. Like in a lot of the dialogue I'm reading, they repeat over and over. Okay, but the guy that we're bringing in is not a lawyer. You know that, right? This You're not talking to a lawyer. You're not confessing to a lawyer. And he is like, well, I don't... Uh, and then they're finally... They say it again, and he, 
then they bring that guy in who's mm-hmm. a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist says you understand that you are to me you're just telling me i'm not a lawyer and there's a very audible he says i understand okay okay so they read him his rights after he says i understand that and explain to him that the person he was confessing to was not an attorney so that it was very clear to him and only then did he in detail explain the events of the murder and then after he explains the events an officer prepared a written statement of whatever he's saying someone's just basically word for word typing what he's saying and eventually he agrees to sign it um to so there's that that's part. the seven page that's the seven page okay. seven pages of details because nine people were murdered yeah so there's my little snidbit that kind of seems confusing and out of place but only because this is where i felt like i needed to go anyways back in court aquin's lawyer is trying to have the trial moved as well as attempted to completely remove the use of aquin's confession and clothing that was found near his home as evidence he even tried to point to other suspects including cheryl bowden's brother so oh god and, and yeah so Williams also unsuccessfully sought a mistrial after prosecutors showed a photograph of the seven smiling children um, that all of the Bowden children. That would be heartbreaking to could, see. Yeah. Like, <gasps> and of, and what awful. would even be more heartbreaking is the lawyer standing up and be like, oh, this wasn't um, admitted into our de- uh, any of our evidence, so this can't be a thing. They, it was, I'm assuming, overridden. Because it, it completely was, is a thing. It is a thing because... These are all of the victims. Yeah. So essentially, and this is, you know, my little side note here. Essentially, Aquin's lawyer was trying to get a whole case thrown out based off of little details, which I, I'm pretty sure as a defense attorney, that's your job is to find where people go wrong. Where they might have and messed you can up. Slide, and you have to be so aware of how the law works and yeah. be like, well, they forgot to do that. That's thrown out. Oh, they forgot to do that. You know, and if, if it's a cop and the cops are just trying to do their job, that happens all the time. However... It seems like in this case that there weren't enough little details mistreated. I feel like the cops and the investigators involved handled it pretty well. Yeah, it sounds like they're very thorough. Like, they were... You know this is what's happening. Yes, and when... So, the whole thing that they're trying to dispute the entire time was his confession wasn't handled properly. That's what they keep... They keep talking about his confession. In all of the court documents I'm reading, it's always brought back up that his confession wasn't handled properly, so it shouldn't... Because... Essentially, this guy didn't know that who he was confessing to was not someone he should confess to if he wants to go to trial. Dude, bro even got to take a nap for like three hours. I'm like, this guy. (laughs) So then in these court documents, they kept saying, well, they followed him. You know, they got him when he got out of the car. The sergeant called and said, come back. And they were like, no, no, no. The law is that they can't detain. At no time was he ever detained. Yeah. He put his hand on him as a person. There was no, like, throwing him down. So they're like, sorry, it's admissible, Yeah. essentially. So, and of course, I add another. And in my personal opinion, this case, in this case, they were trying to distract from the content um, of the confession by making it clear that some of the details of the confession were given after he asked for a lawyer. So... It just seems clear to me that they're like, oh, let's not talk about all these poor children that have been murdered and their poor mother. Let's talk about how you guys missed some rules, which yeah. eventually the jury ruled as they disagreed with that, essentially. Okay. So when Aquin finally took the stand on September 5th, 1979, he denied a role in the murders. 
He said his psychiatrist told him, you better sign off, um, or you better off if you just signed this paper, um, which he's referring but to the confession. They, they have this all, like, recorded. Yes. So they, they know. And that's not what he says. Yeah. He explains to him, you have, there is a point that I was like, ooh, when I was reading it, that the officer says, okay, you need to sign here. And he's like, what is this? And he's like, you need to sign, say that I read you your rights. And because he is a, we'll call it skilled criminal, Mm -hmm. he knows, like me, if someone was like, you need to sign here, I'd be like, okay, you know, because I've never done. He was like, wait, I know what this means. This means you're arresting me because you're reading me my rights. And so, of course, he sees that and, but again, the guy's like, well, correct, you just said you'd like to confess, which he doesn't necessarily say confess. He says he'd like to tell them everything. Okay. And then at another point, he was like, I don't want to tell you. I want you guys to ask me questions. So that's... Interesting. Because apparently he didn't want to talk about the details again. Gotcha. So... So he wasn't that kind of killer. He wasn't that kind of killer, but he clearly was. (laughs) So he just didn't want to admit to it, what it comes down to. He didn't want... And he knew how the law worked. Okay, so he said that the... The psychiatrist... There's the word I'm looking for. (laughs) um, He said... That a psychiatrist said, you better just sign here the confession, um, according to the September 6, 1979. That was, that's what was stated. Okay, so, Aquin said police repeatedly turned down his request for a lawyer and told him, I know you did it, why don't you confess? I read through so much stuff and I didn't see that. I didn't see that in everything I was reading through. Maybe there's more, you know? But still, like, there... Again, what they are... The way that they're, we'll call it coercing if you want to, they're like saying, if you need to get this off your chest, which I know that's a tactic. I know that's how they kind of come into it. Just get this off your chest if you need to. They found bloody clothes near his house. They found things in his car. They found, which are not mentioned in the court documents that I was like, I'm. it's all just the conversation that's mentioned. It didn't have like a list of evidence? Maybe it did. Um, It just had like... It was mostly dialogue. It was mostly, and then they would say, like, this was entered and all of that. So, okay. We talked about coercion a little bit last week. Mm -hmm. So there's, like, coercion, and Mm -hmm. then there's, like, what's going on now, which is a conversation. Yes, and I need it to be clear that I totally believe people can be coerced. Oh, yeah. Out of, when I first read, like, most of the, you know, the first half of this, I was like, maybe this guy didn't do it. Which, okay, maybe he didn't do it. Maybe he just happened to fit a lot of weird details. Okay, my mind was still kind of there. Now it's not anymore. (laughs) Right? So, Aquin also testified that the blood on his clothes was from a fight that he got into the night of the murders with men outside of uh, Waterbury Cafe, essentially explaining that it was a mugging. However... It is stated in the court documents that he never reported the mugging to police and that the scratches on his face were inconsistent with that of a mugging. And somehow, that's pretty close to his undoing. <laughs> that's That was, like, the thing that they could admit and, or, you know, at, bring into court. And they were like, the jury was like, you're right, they weren't. They took pictures of it. Somewhere in the confession or in the discussion, yeah. his other undoing, he pulled his pants down or up and showed them that he had a burn on his leg and this was in the midst of confession that wasn't allowed into court so i'm like he has a burn from fire okay so and he had so he had scratches on his face too Mm -hmm. yeah so 
I'm sorry. If I'm getting mugged, I'm going to be punching you. Right. But as a he's child, a I'm sure that, like, uh-huh. you're going to be, like, scratching for your uh-huh. life. Yeah. Or the mom who is hit in the back and then stabbed in the front. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Ew. So, yes. So this is essentially as simple as it sounds. Um, what a I'm garbage giving... dumpster. Yeah, he is, in fact, a garbage jump- dumpster. <laughs> okay, so then there's a quote that says, When the police first told him about the slings, Aquin said, He became so upset that he punched the wall of the police barracks, and then he told a state trooper, uh, You'd better get these guys before I do. Yeah, so there's a ton of mixed reports going back and forth. Some evidence seemed to support Aquin's claims, such as a state police fingerprint. Here's here's where I was like, maybe he did not do it. A state police fingerprint experted test, expert testified on October 2nd, 1979, that a bloody hand and fingerprint was found in the bathtub near two of the children's bodies that were not um, Aquin's fingerprints. A handprint on a doorknob did not belong to him either. They basically say the examiner said the prints could also be matched or couldn't be matched to any of the victims. And this was a bloody handprint? It was, yeah. It wasn't a full bloody handprint, which when I first read this, I was like, okay, maybe this isn't our guy. But then the more I thought about it, quite honestly, maybe he had an accomplice. That's the only true, and I'm saying that now, this is, this is when I was like, we should discuss afterwards. I think this what guy What if it good. was his brother? His brother was at work. His brother was. Okay. So the only other person that's mentioned just one time in it is two things, actually. Her brother. So her brother's brought up, they, I mean, they had a ton of suspects <laughs> in this case, but they honed in on him for very specific reasons arson being like a main one yeah arson that he tried to burn their house down before um they also there were again not necessary hearsay that he was a potentially child molester that sort of thing um so which again those weren't admissed or weren't entered in court probably for those reasons because hearsay but the the door situation the handprint that whole bloody handprint um I don't know if it was a full handprint I don't know if it was just a little you know fingerprint that sort of thing what I do know is that he could have had an accomplice truly he could have I I could I could say that like that's a lot of people it is a lot of people yes but I'm not gonna do any spoilers (laughs) yeah so Essentially, we'll go back to uh, Aquin, but Aquin's confession, which was made public after the jury was sworn in on July 16th, 1979, um, told a different story. In it, Aquin, of course, as we said, described how he used a lug wrench, a knife, a tire iron to kill the victims. Oh my god. So he knew the exact weapons that were used. He told police that he had been at the house... about 7 p.m. on July 21st, 1977, to take the children to pick raspberries. He said he left by 8.30 p.m. and returned at 2 or 3 the next morning, entering through an unlocked cellar. When Aquin entered the kitchen and turned on the light, Cheryl Bowden came out of her bedroom, in a quote. Uh, she didn't seem surprised that I was there, Aquin told police, according to um, the story about his confession. Aquin told Bowden he needed tools from the basement to fix his car, so he came in the house she didn't seem surprised to see him obviously because it's it's not even um her brother-in-law they were foster brothers but 
I'm sorry. If my brother is walking in my house at 2 in the morning, I'm going to get up and punch him in the face for freaking me out. Yeah. I'm still... It'd also be like, what, what, how, why? Yes. It, only because this is 1977 is do I give her the pass to say... And also because she was murdered yeah, horrifically. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he did go, in fact, get things to, quote, fix his car. He fetched a lug wrench, came back to the kitchen, asked her for a beer... As she turned to the refrigerator, Aquin began to beat her with a wrench, he told police. He said she didn't scream or anything, uh, but one of her sons came into the kitchen to see what was happening. So, there we go. That's awful. Okay, yeah. So, uh, the next details say that he hit that child over the head with a wrench, hit the other children with a wrench, and tire iron, tire iron. He heard um, Bowden moaning, and he went back to the kitchen and stabbed her. Okay, there's the details that did come back. I'm sorry, I forgot that I put more, but I see why I did this. <laughs> um, he did describe tying up some of the children. It Okay, here's what's not said in the court documents, but is said in, like, three other online places, that he did admit to stringing the children up and sexually molesting 10-year-old Sharon Bowden. So... He, this wasn't in the court documents though in the dialogue but i don't feel like all of the dialogue i read was the whole yeah you know yeah. so what it yeah he then poured gasoline over the children and set the house on fire oh my god the interviews um that he had um that were conducted in october 1977 but not published until the confession was released aquin said he didn't remember anything about the killing other than quote talking to cheryl and, quote, bodies and blood all over the place, and the house was on fire. He said he remembered being scared and hot and running from the house, and, quote, when I came home, when I came to my senses, I was on Wally Avenue in New Haven. He said he didn't remember giving the confession, though, obviously. He basically said he... <laughs> he just blacked out? Mm -hmm. So on October 19th, 1997, after three months of testimony and eight hours of deliberation over three days, the jury of nine men and three women declared Aquin guilty on all counts. Thank the Lord. That's God. Ew. I, yes. This dude. Uh-huh. So. Could all... you imagine being also the father? Uh, yes. I know. I'm sure there was probably a ton of different emotions going on, but I know you know some of them just like you're like well where was the dad can we confirm like yeah. i'm sure that there was a lot of talk about like, like speculation uh -huh. about other people and i know that somewhere in here only at one point so i left it out was mentioned that um the dad of all of them the bowden's dad that his dad so like bowden senior yeah was there at some point too but he's left out like i think he was at the house a lot yeah is, so that's brought up too but again i mean if he's if he's in on this, they didn't bring him into court and put him... I they, they... Yeah. So, although Aquin was not charged with sexual assault, Chief Assistant State Attorney Walter Scan Scanlon? There we go. Suggested Aquin might have been caught by Cheryl Bowden sexually molesting one or more of the Bowden girls and been so ashamed that he was driven to kill the whole family. That's I just... I could definitely... Yeah. That's that. just um, a, a thought. Or also... But also because the the whole the fact but you that said in the confession he admitted to molesting one of the girls. It's, so it's it's said it is said in here, but I didn't see it in the court documents. But okay. again, so yes, he did say in his seven page confession he admitted to molesting one of them, the ten year old. 
Um, so it could very well be that he did just let himself into the house or that, yeah. So the, uh, the hard, the part that I go back and forth with is there's so many of them. Like, yeah. how did they not hear him? That sort of thing. But if they're just like, oh, it's just Uncle Lorne. Ugh, awful name. But yeah. The state sought the maximum possible prison sentence of 245 years, 25 years for each murder and 20 for arson. But Judge Walter M. Pickett Jr. sentenced Aquin to 105 years to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 50 to 55 years. Or not. Yeah. Quote, that of course is a long time, Pickett said, um, but the court has left open some hope. Um, for the defendant. I can do nothing for the victims. I don't know what that statement's supposed to mean. That's, exactly. That's a very... You, yeah, you could do something for the victims. You could lock away this guy yeah. for the rest of his goddamn life. I get... I'm sure as a judge he's trying to say we cannot prove beyond reasonable doubt that this man did it. But we're like 99% sure. So that was like his general well, statement the clothes, of... So the clothes that they found were his. Correct. With their blood? So it doesn't say that anyway. I'm glad that we're to the end here because yes, there's nowhere that says whose blood was on there. Um, and then at some point, he or someone mentions that like the clothes were planted there. However, well, that's what I was thinking maybe at the beginning. Uh-huh. Like, okay, those could have like uh, somebody else could have stuck them there, but they were his clothes. They were his clothes, and there was clothes in the car. He was seen by people. Like he also stayed around a little bit. I'm well, pretty and sure. he knew, and then he knew what they were murdered with. Mm-hmm. And he knew that one of them was molested, and I, I don't actually know if that was confirmed or not. Okay. Um, but again, the house was gutted. It was so burnt. So I don't know that after someone... That they could prove. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you can prove that anyways. Ugh, yeah. This guy. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Aquin's um, attorney filed state appeal five minutes after the hearing, according to the court records. Aquin um, has petitioned for a habeas corpses trial several times sorry i don't know why habeas was such a weird word for me um several times but is still um serving his sentence at the mcdougall walker correctional facility in Suffield. so he's still there he's still there but they said that he could have the possibility of parole after 50 years mm-hmm. and this was in 1977 he wasn't he wasn't um in this 79 is when he was officially sentenced so The last thing that I just put in here was a quote from his attorney that said, I think that nobody will ever know what really happened in this case. If the confession had been kept out, he probably would have been acquitted. Yeah. And that's that. Probably. Yes. So. But he confessed. But he confessed. So. And took a three hour nap beforehand. Yeah. Thank you for actually. Okay. I was like, I bet you want to get done it. And Destiny's going to be like, he didn't do it. But. (laughs) I think also once you find out the details, it's hard not to want to just put somebody like, yeah, I get that. I get that you're like, if you had to go through every single detail and learn how every single one of them was killed, all that, you'd want to, you'd want to get somebody someone. needs to get put away for that. Yeah. Completely so, heinous. Yeah. So that is the case of Lorne J. Aquin and man, do I hate him. I hate that guy. <laughs> so much. All right, so that was good old Lauren J. Aquin. Yeah, that was rough. That was rough. That was, um, for me, I just had to do it. Like, I was like, oh, there's a lot of kit. Nope, mm -mm. nope, doing it. Yeah. Yep. So there's that. Sorry. I'm proud of you that you were able to do that. (laughs) 
Yeah. I just needed to state one more time, I think he did it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I'm sure there's a lot more details that we need, but what are you doing? Okay, um, so this week I'm going to be talking about Richard Benjamin Speck. Mm-hmm. So he was born December 6, 1941 in Kirkwood, Illinois to Mary and Benjamin. He was one of eight children. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And he was very close to his father, who died of a heart attack when he was six years old. So very sad. Mm -hmm. Um, But a few years later, or after his father's death, his mother met a traveling insurance salesman. Oh. Halo. Uh Mm-hmm. On a train. Yeah, so they met on a train. It's like, hey, you sell insurance. Oh. Traveling. Yeah. Interesting. Anyways. Yeah. I'm glad uh, that those are more, um, less mobile nowadays. Yeah, yeah. I don't I'd know like why I'm glad about like that, but. To be around here. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so Carl Lindbergh was his name and he lived in the, or they met in Chicago. Okay. So he was known to be an abusive alcoholic with a 25 year long criminal history spanning from forgery charges to multiple DUIs. Oh, yeah, so he was just, I'm sure he was Soft just... crime, is that yeah. what you call it? I know, I almost wrote it. <laughs> but he was very, like, I'm sure, like, he was a salesman, so he's probably a charming... Oh, there's like, that word. Alcoholic. I almost asked it. I almost asked. Do you think he was charming? Yeah, I totally do. Just because of the, like, the forgery and the multiple DUIs, like, the mm-hmm. alcohol, alcoholicness. Um, I just... I, like I, crime. Yes. Like crime. And it comes, unfortunately, it comes with, and I bet you he had what I call car salesman personality. Yeah. Like, you know, when you just kind of like them and want to be friends with them and then you're like, man, why are you talking me out of so much money? (laughs) You're like, wait, I thought I liked you. I thought we were on the same page. So oddly enough, this is not about him. (laughs) Oh, kidoki. But he probably taught someone to be that way. Maybe. <laughs> um, so his mother ended up marrying this Carl character and relocating to where he, um, where Carl resided in Santo, Texas. So after about a year in Santo, the family, which at that time, so he was one of eight, mm-hmm. but the two youngest, which was him and his younger sister, mm-hmm. they were the younger ones of like the household. The rest of them were out of the house. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it was just um, Speck which I'm going to call Richard Speck, Speck, mm-hmm. this whole entire time. If I say Richard, sorry I slipped up, but it's the same person. All right. Um, and it was his younger sister, his mom, and then his stepdad. So they ended up moving around basically like crazy, mm-hmm. and they lived in over 10, at like different 10, 10 different addresses um, <laughs> over the That's span of 12 years. Okay. Yeah. So, so. like almost every year they yeah, moved almost. Basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I couldn't imagine. I hate moving. I hate moving. I'm I like, hate. and then I look where we're at right now and I'm like, I have so much stuff. Yes. You, oh girl, you got half of what how I got. Am I, how am I going to move that kayak? How, <laughs> we couldn't even do this in my garage. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So and I hate to move. So I yeah. couldn't imagine. I'd be definitely a minimalist if I was moving that much. I'd be like, so I got my backpack. I'm yeah. ready to go. Oh yeah. Next house. I um, want to be a minimalist. I just have too much stuff. Alex <laughs> is if yes. you can't imagine his black he's shirt like, jeans and converse man yeah i had no he, idea he's like can you get all of this out of my house i tried to bring a desk home <laughs> from work and he this week he was like no and you he, must perform on foosball table <laughs> he's like you're oh not perform put- was probably a bad word we uh record <laughs> <laughs> he's like you're not putting that in my house and i was like 
But well, what if I freaking Jay? What about your garage? And also not yours. Our <laughs> yeah. castle. Yeah. Just kidding. You're not love you, love Alex. You. We love you. You're great. Sorry um, about your outfits. <laughs> so his stepdad would often emotionally abuse him by speaking ill to him and threatening him. He started struggling in school. Weird. Of course he would. Mm-hmm. Um, and after repeating eighth grade and then finally moving past eighth grade, he ended up flunking out in high school. Okay. Um, and so it was right before the age of 16 that he flunked out. A lot of this probably had to do with the fact that he literally started drinking when he was 12. Oh. I yeah. mean, not personal experiences because of not what I did in high school, but I feel like I do know a lot of people that started drinking young and they all graduated. I mean, I had my, I will say I had my first drink in seventh grade. I had like a Smirnoff ice. Oh yeah, like girl. Half of one and Get I was it. like, I'm faded. Which back then it was probably like, I'm lit You were like, something. I have a headache. <laughs> yeah. And so, but then like I just wasn't really into alcohol like throughout high school. I was a surprise. Who was uh, dating a Mormon absolutely no hate on the mormons but it sure did change my trajectory there was no alcohol involved i say as i said wine right (laughs) um so he had his first crime when he was like 13 and that was i think trespassing and then it was just a bunch of misdemeanors after that Mm -hmm. um and so by the age of 15 he was basically getting drunk every day Oh, see, that's a little bit of an escalation. Yeah, 15. Yeah, 15. Oh, yeah. Oof. Um, My mom would have known. Well, your mom was also a bartender. My She's mom like, would have known. My mom's a drug and alcohol counselor. Yeah, like, yeah. Complete opposite oh, sides. Man. And she would have been like, My... I will kill you. Oh, yeah, same. So... Because my mom was a bartender, oh, I guess same. She was like, I will kill you. Don't do what they do. <laughs> that makes complete sense. Um, so in 1961, I'm just going to fast forward a little bit. When he was 20 years old, he met 15-year-old Shirley Malone. He was how old? He was 20 and she was 15. Okay. I mean, it okay. was 61. Y- um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I know people... That were young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think it was a lot more acceptable then. Definitely not acceptable now. Super frowned upon. Yes. <laughs> um, so after just three weeks of them being in a relationship, she became pregnant with his child. Super frowned upon. Super <laughs> very frowned upon. I, um, yeah. At 15, eh, never mind. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> I was not pregnant at 15. <laughs> no. There was no way. Um, so in January of 1962, they got married. So they're they're like, okay, we're going to do this. Well, probably because someone was like, either she's going to have to pull a Ted Bundy and pretend to be the sister, or Uh, you two got (laughs) to... That wasn't not uncommon. I know that. Well, I know, but just thinking about it. But yeah, just thinking about having a kid and then being like, all right, I'm your sister now. (laughs) Oh, ew. Okay. (laughs) So anyway. That's some Joe Dirt weird. I think we get where you're going with this. So they got married. (laughs) Okay. And then in July, they had their daughter, and Speck was nowhere to be found. So, that's because he was doing a 22-day stint in jail for disturbing the peace. Oh. Mofo got drunk. Oh, right. Had a little, yeah. So he, happens he, likes, he, he likes alcohol. He still has been an alcoholic all these years. He's like, yes. what, eight years deep at this point? He's been drinking for eight years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, in July of 63, Speck was convicted of forgery and burglary. Um, so, for the forgery, he just forged one of his co-workers' checks, which was $44. Okay. 
which is not enough money to forge. But anyways, <laughs> yeah. So it's the actually the inflation price uh-huh. is six hundred and fifty six percent more. So okay, okay. So now that would be three hundred and thirty two dollars. I mean, I'm not a criminal, so I can't say. <laughs> oh, for sure, I would then forge. Can't say I've ever forged, but I get it. I mean, it's only <laughs> it's still only three hundred and thirty two dollars. Yeah, three hundred. So it's like for what? For like a. Probably for him, like, a bunch of Miller Lite or whatever was big. Yeah, I mean, he's just all about the alcohol. Yeah. Um, And so he also broke... That's a huge inflation. Okay, moving on. <laughs> right? That's insanity. Think about how people bought their... Uh, we don't yeah. need to get... But houses cheaper. Oh, so. man. Oh, man. Uh, we had... A, real quick. Real quick. <laughs> we had a conversation with Alex's grandma, and she was like, yeah, I bought my house cheaper than you could buy that car. And we were like, what? God Damn it. Yeah, what? We were born in the wrong time. Ugh. But also cost of living, whatever. Anyways, so... It would, it would feel as heavy if we were born then as it does now. Exactly. <laughs> it just Probably. feels... Maybe. Real heavy. <laughs> Real heavy. Um, so, yeah, forgery, and then he broke into a grocery store. He stole some cigarettes, beer, and $3. Oh. <laughs> he stole money from a grocery store? Yeah. How? I... Does it say? Okay. I have no idea. Um, and so he was sentenced to three years in prison for that. Which, yeah, nowadays, uh-huh. it would be like, okay, you get a couple misdemeanors, a like, slap on the wrist, 30 days in jail. you your probation officer, yeah. which we know you have. Yeah, way to act up again. Mm-hmm. Um, so after serving 60 months, he was released. Cool. One week after he was released, Speck attacked a woman while holding a 17-inch carving knife. Things have escalated. <laughs> oh, man. Wham bam. He was like in jail, like those three dollars. Mm, I'm moving up from here. <laughs> He's like, I gotta go bigger. Um, okay. So he ended up running away because the woman was screaming. Good. Weird. That's why they say be loud. <laughs> yes, exactly. And he was apprehended a couple blocks away from where she was attacked. He was charged with abrogate, aggregated. Ag- oh, ab- aggravated. Words. <laughs> aggravated assault and was supposed to serve a 16-month sentence that was concurrent to his parole violation because he was on parole. Right. Um, but due to an error. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> he was released after six months. Cool. Not, so, <laughs> not cool. Sorry. Super and cool are my go-to. And yeah. I'm, I get it. I'm always like, I mean the opposite. <laughs> it's disclaimer yeah people are people are like seven episodes in at this point we know what you mean (laughs) we got it erotica yeah not super and it's not cool super's not super it's my natural reaction (laughs) moving on right so after this release he worked as a driver for a meat company where he had so he was a driver had six accidents in his work truck was is it because he was like drunk driving probably i didn't (laughs) even think about that but yeah i'm sure um but he got fired because he missed a shift oh that's what what (laughs) not your six accidents driving your driving's fine (laughs) driving's fine you didn't show up bye (laughs) get out of here um so insurance was probably out the roof but you missed a shift. Bye. <laughs> yeah, see you later. So in December of 65, Speck, who had separated from his wife at this time, moved in with a local bartender at its local watering hole. Oh, probably because she knew him so well. Yeah, I'm sure. But it was apparently his mom's recommendation. Oh. She's like, you should move in Here's someone that will like you. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're they used and to drugs. Tolerate it's you. It's fine. <laughs> um, but so he moved in to help her also babysit. She had three children. Okay. Then Speck's wife, after this, he's like, she's like, we're getting a divorce. 
done with you. Yeah, because he's moved in to babysit other people's children. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure... I'm not going to speculate. Never mind. Yeah. So following the divorce, literally like in the same month, Speck ended up stabbing a guy at some, at the bar. Jesus. That he met this bartender. Um, He went from stealing $3 at the grocery store and some beer to trying to stab a woman and then stabbing a man. Cool. 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 He was like, I'm I'm going after you guys now. Um, So he was charged with aggravated assault, but his mom got him a lawyer nice lady she's looking out after him um and somehow his charge got reduced to disturbing the peace and a fine of ten dollars oh back to disturbing the peace for him yeah yeah they're like aggravated a, assault you stabbed a fine somebody ten dollars how did i miss you say that <laughs> right what the fart so he literally stabbed yes. somebody and they're like you disturb the peace we also need ten dollars <laughs> also ten but Literally, this fool didn't pay the $10. Of course not. <laughs> He's like, meh. He's like, Lily, could have stolen it from the grocery store and brought it to you guys, but I chose not to. <laughs> right? And so he served three days in jail. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The wor- That's... His worst crime yet, and he's served the smallest amount of time. Right? I know. When I was thinking about it, I was like, get out of here. Yeah. Fudge sickles. So in 66, Speck bought a car, and burglarized another grocery store. This dude likes him. He likes to steal some cigarettes. So he stole 70 um, cartons of cigarettes. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then he sold the cigarettes out of the back of his car and then abandoned the car. What? Yeah. And then, obviously, this car was traced back to him, and police issued a warrant for his arrest. At this time, his, I believe it was his younger sister, drove him to a bus depot to leave they're mm-hmm. like he's she's like you need to get out of here to send him to chicago where his other sisters lived or okay. other siblings lived specifically so they're his, just like someone take this man yeah, yeah. specifically his sister martha um so at this time if he would have been arrested so he wasn't arrested for this right it would have been his 42nd arrest <laughs> but he wasn't arrested but he wasn't <laughs> yeah i she was like you gotta go dude yeah. bye bye can't do bye. this anymore so Ugh. <laughs> Once in Chicago, he moved in with his sister, Martha. Um, she was a former registered nurse. Okay. And her husband, Jean, who since had been discharged from the Navy. and Her he husband's worked for... name was Jane? Jean. Jean. Sorry, Sorry, I thought you said Jane. I might have. Okay. <laughs> um, but so he used to be in the Navy. He was discharged, I mm-hmm. believe honorably, okay. um, and then worked for the railroad. And then they lived there with their two daughters. Mm-hmm. So Gene's previous work with the Navy made him think that Speck might um, benefit from working for the U.S. Merchant Marine. Okay, so he yeah. was like, I'll change my ways. Yeah, which is like the Coast Guard, I believe. Yes, um, So in April, Speck applied to be an apprentice seaman. Uh-huh. He found work very quickly, and after only four days on the ship, he got, an ap- uh, he got appendicitis. Oh. Um, and it's I know rough. you heard me earlier kind of reading different things. <laughs> and you were appendectomy. like, appendectomy. I know what that <laughs> word means. So he had to get an emergency appendectomy. Also, I think this is probably the proper time to say one of our big listeners <laughs> for sure knows what an appendectomy is because his name is Tanner and he had to get one last summer. <laughs> I remember <laughs> dude, that. Dude, that kid had one for so long and his doctor was like, you're a baby. <laughs> and oh, then, God. Like four months later, it was like, okay, we'll take it out now. So It's the same one that... Never mind. Yeah, sh- shouts, <laughs> shouts to 
Tanner the champion yes, we, of we all appendectomies. <laughs> yeah. um, so while he was having this emergency appendectomy in Michigan, he met Judy Lekenemy. Oh. He met Judy. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and What's up, Judy? She was a newly divorced nurse, mm-hmm. or nurse's aide. So he went home to heal with his sister Martha, and then in May rejoined the ship. Right. So that didn't last long because on June 15th, he was put ashore, which if you're curious to what that means, he was Did basically straight up drop you off at ashore. Yeah. They're like, peace out, Get bro. Get this guy out of here. Because he got in a drunken fight with one of his officers. Oh, a drunken fight. You don't Which say. anybody that's in the military or knows the military, mm-hmm. you do not step to anyone above you. Don't get in drunken fights. Also that. <laughs> but it's like very frowned upon like your... Your commanding officer. Yeah, you do not do that. Um, so it was also, I like heard in other sources that he was maybe like showing his genitalia to like oh other people God. on ship and he was just a drunken mess it sounds like as okay without giving any information away about whatever is coming in his future <laughs> is he ever diagnosed with any specific uh personality traits <laughs> besides sociopath no no okay i was just wondering okay but there's one for you. okay yeah so after he was booted from the ship he went and he stayed with his friend judy the one oh, that he had judy. met economy right (laughs) um for so he went and stayed with her for a little bit but then she gave him some money and he went back to chicago to his sister martha after only a few days also my mom's name is martha and i'm like (laughs) i know i keep saying shout out to destiny's mom because for some reason if i say shout out to martha doesn't feel personal enough (laughs) shout out destiny's mom yeah best um so after only a few days back at home with his sister he had well known um, outstayed his welcome. Uh-huh. And his brother-in-law drove him to the National Maritime Union. And so they have, like, a hiring hall, which I'll just call hiring hall from here on out. Perfect. Um, so he got set up with a seaman card. So basically, if they had any assignments, he would go out and... Or they could call him and he would go out. Gotcha. He got set up with an oil tanker position, but when he arrived for that position, they told him the position had already been filled. Oh, yeah. So his anger levels probably boo-boo. Yeah, he wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. So he had uh, to return to the hiring hall, which I think you can stay there too. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting. Like a, like a, maybe a hotel kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. So I think you could stay there, but it was already closed. Um, So he ended up staying at an unfinished house, not far from the hall. That was also located next to a housing complex for student nurses at South Chicago Community Hospital. So that'll just kind of come into play later. Um, But the next morning, he sat and talked with the sister that had come to visit him. And he was just, he was super pissed. He Mm -hmm. was like, I was supposed to go do this. And then I I went there. Yeah. And I get everything I want in life. And I'm not getting it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So his sister gave him $20 and was like, I'm so sorry about all this. It sucks. And so he went and checked in in a local inn named the Shipyard Inn. So he spent the rest of the day just bar hopping, like jumping around bars. And there was also a girl that was kind of jumping around bars too. Okay. And like with him or just I don't was think also. so. I think they were just both like ended up at bars. the same bar. I mean, it'd be like. If it was around here, that happens all the time. Yeah. You're like jumping around from bar to bar, like down the street. And then they ended up at a few of the same bars. And they probably kept going, fancy meeting you here, which is my least favorite thing. But as soon as I run into someone and I'm drunk, I do it over and over. I was about to say, well, I say that all the time. Yeah, I, 
it drives me insane that I say it. When other people say it, I'm like, oh, you're funny. When I say it, I'm like, oh, it's just... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So he eventually... So it was a 53-year-old woman, Ella Mae Hooper. And he basically at the last spot was at the tavern that was right by his the inn that he was staying at. Okay. And so he was like, come to my room. But then he raped her. Oh! Whoa, that boop gave It escalated. So she went to the room, correct? Yes. And then it turned into rape. Yes. Cool. So he's just angry. He's not a happy man. No, he's not. Um, and mean, so then clear. she also had a gun on her, a twenty two caliber, and he stole it. Oh, okay. Yes. That's so, probably how she got out of that situation probably like keep the gun let me go bye yeah uh-huh. yeah i mean because from what i know she didn't die she's still alive yeah or was, there was a rape alive at this time reported or something yeah um and so after this whole attack he went back to the tavern which was surprising to me mm-hmm. um, i mean just cocky mf <laughs> yeah yeah and he drank until about 10 30 he then left the tavern dressed in all black with a knife and the 22 caliber Cool. Uh, not cool. It's, things are not going to be cool. Okay. So on July 13th, 1966, around 11 p.m., Speck broke into the townhouse that housed the nursing students. Oh. Oh, that he lived by. Yes. Or that he was staying by? That he was staying by. Okay. He knocked on the door, and that's when Cora Amora answered, and he pushed the caliber up to her. And then he basically, like, went through and got all of the girls out of all of the, like, rooms mm-hmm. and started to tie them up. Uh-huh. So he, like, took a sheet, cut it up, and tied them up with a sheet. Um, ah, and they, uh-huh. he, like, gathered them all into the bigger room. And so okay. this is partially why I said, that's a lot of people. Yeah. There was a lot of people here. A, yeah, there's a lot of people there. Um, so he assured them, like, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm basically just robbing you. Um, I'm trying to flee town and I just need money. A pretty typical BTK is known for saying that. I could go on. Yeah, it's just pretty typical. This is, I'm not going to hurt you so that they will cooperate. Exactly. Um, so then he grabbed a girl. Her name was Pamela. And she literally, she was like, okay, he's like, we're going to go into your room. We're going to go get your purse. I'm going to take your stuff. And she spit in his face. Oh, go Pamela. I would hope I would be a Pamela. You're a Pamela. (laughs) I might not be a Pamela, but Destiny is a Pamela. (laughs) And she, so she spit in his face and was like, I can pick you out of a fucking lineup. Oh, girl. Yeah, you're a Pamela. (laughs) Just want it to be. No, no. Um, And so then he takes her to a room and starts to rape her. Oh, God damn it. Well, I'm sure she probably knew that was coming. That's why she spit. That's why she said, I can pick you out of a Fuck you. Yeah. I know what you're trying to do and I'm not going to be intimidated by you. Yeah. So girl, way to go with a bang. Go Pamela. So then two girls came home and interrupted him. So there was a decent amount of girls. I'll get to how many in the other room. There's people, women, in the living room, and yeah, then so this is girls like are big, coming home. So it's, it's like a frat, or it's not like a frat, yes, a, whatever. Or, uh, uh, what's the girl version? Fraternity. That's not right. Uh, sorority. sorority. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. I had to take From my t- breath. I was laughing too hard. I couldn't even um, answer that. Yeah. So, so it's, it's sorority. They have like a common area and then mm-hmm. a bunch of bedrooms. So basically, like, I, I'm pretty sure it's probably called a commons, like where they all stay and that they're all sense. nurses and they all hang out and it's their. Yeah, it's their yeah. apartment, quote, but it's a big house. Exactly. I keep thinking, house bunny. Probably what? bad reference. Well, I'm sorry. You don't even know the reference? Ah, oh, I'm sad that you don't know the reference of house bunny. But sorority situation, 
bunch of weird girl. You haven't seen House Bunny? What? Ugh. I'm waiting for an exclamation. Oh, I'm not going to tell you Is about that like House a show? Bunny. It's a movie from like, I mean, I was probably 18 when it came out. I don't have time for that garb. <laughs> oh, golly gee. Okay, well, the late... Oh, no, I'm not going okay, into it. Long story. I was going to be like, do you know Chris Pratt? Well, his wife is in the I movie. Love... That was his wife. Yeah, that's that not his wife anymore. Yeah, sorry. No, he's engaged now. Yeah. Oh, okay, so Anne Ferris is in it. Yeah. What? No. Schwarzenegger's no. daughter. Yes. yes. <laughs> Anna Ferris, though, is who's in the movie. <laughs> you said is now his oh, new well, wife. I said, no, no, he's now has a new wife. Oh. He's actually engaged. So... Anna Ferris is in a movie that's called House Bunny. She's the main character, and she's a little bit of a hot mess that probably shouldn't have gone to college. However, the house that they're all staying in is what I'm picturing. <laughs> oh, this is why our podcasts go long. This we is get why we go forever. <laughs> um, so, where? Bye. <laughs> um, so, basically, these two girls walked in on okay. him attacking her i think probably it was in one of the bedrooms and the door was open and so they were walking to like the commons area walked by saw what was happening uh-huh. and then they like took off and so he ran after them he strangled them stabbed them both oh like outside somewhere no oh in the they house hadn't still. they hadn't gotten outside yet oh um gosh. and so this is like a downstairs upstairs situation as well so uh-huh. i'll let you know so they were heading upstairs okay um and then like the oh so they weren't leaving they were the other girls were in the back room Mm-hmm. Like, towards the end of the house. Okay, so they walk in, don't see all of these women. They're being held somewhere. No, because they're, like, way up Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then he killed them. Mm-hmm. And then he returned to Pamela and stabbed her just one swift in the heart. Oh, okie dokie. Yes. So after every murder, he washed up. Like, clean? Like, yeah. Like, to a shower? Or? Uh, no, I think, like, more, like, washed his hands, like, washed his body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then would go and return. So, every time they really heard the water going, they were like, somebody just freaking died. Right. Uh, oh. Oh. Ugh. Yeah. So, like, the first time everyone hears the shower, or, or not shower, the sink, and we're like, oh, I wonder what's happening. But then it happens so often that they know? Yes. Okay. So, Speck then untied one of the victim, Nina's feet, and led her down the hall. He stu- suffocated her and stabbed her. And I'm almost positive i'm not 100 percent sure but that he sexually molested all these people as well okay so just we're just gonna leave that there yeah. and keep going um so we'll just we'll just blanket that there was a lot of rape involved yes in different ways okay yes so once again he washed up and then he went and grabbed another girl van valentina and took her to another room and apparently they could hear her screaming it hurts oh no and then just silence Oh, these yeah. are not details I'm prepared for. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Am I ever prepared for these details? Actually, I think it's probably best that I'm not. <laughs> yes, true. Um, so about 30 minutes later, so he didn't come back for about 30 minutes, and he returned for Pat. He took her to the restroom and hit her so hard in the like chest that she died due to a ruptured liver. Oh. Yeah. Like right then? Yes. Oh. Yeah, so ooh. she died, like, because from, of that blunt force trauma right. from him. From him in, through the rib cage area, yeah. essentially. Yeah. That he did in, with his hand? Uh, I believe so. Okay. I'm almost positive that's how it happened. I have one quick question. Yeah. In the room that all of these women are being held, I understand that this sound, was there no window? I believe that there was a window. 
And they just, a second floor? But they were all tied up. Oh, right, right, right. He had tied them. Okay. Yes. Um, and so there, this is also to be noted that he said, are you the one in the yellow dress to, to one of these girls? To Pat. What? It, what? Okay. So I'll come back to that later. Okay. But he did say that to her. Um, so then he returned to the room and assaulted Gloria, who she had actually been pretty inebriated. So the room that they're in, there's a couple bunk beds in the room, though. Mm-hmm. So I'll get back to that. But so Gloria had been pretty inebriated that night, and she was pretty much passed out, it sounds like. Like okay. she was pretty Like she was drunk? drunk. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then he assaulted her. So while all of this was happening, Cora, the original girl, she was the one that um, answered the door. She had rolled under the bed. She had loosened up her ties and got basically slid under the bed, got against a wall. Mm-hmm. And this is all while Speck was attacking Gloria. Okay. The, um, who is the inebriated one. Yeah. So then he grabbed Gloria and he... I, so I'm not exactly sure what happened, but she was on... The couch in the entrance. Okay. Gloria was? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And he must have forgotten about Cora. I don't know how you would... Especially the girl that you, like, first... The first girl that you saw. You, like, right. That you interacted with. You forgot about her. Um, but Did, she... Is she the one in the yellow dress? No. That was okay. Pam. Oh. Yes. What? Okay. No, that was Pat. I'm sorry. Okay. There's a Pam and a Pat. Oh. So gosh. Pat was the one in the yellow dress. Okay. Um, but Cora was the one that he initially made contact with, held the gun against her, was like, let me in your house. Gotcha. Um, okay. So he left. Okay. So Cora... He leaves the house. He leaves the house. Cora finally comes out from under the bed. I think she was pretty freaked out about what was going on. And she didn't uh. know for sure that he was gone. And she went to the ledge... Uh, because they were in an upstairs area. She went to the So ledge. they were in an upstairs, so yes. that's another... Re- I was like, why didn't anyone pop out of a window? I would probably be someone who would, oh, I've got ties on me. I'm still popping out this window. Bye. <laughs> Throwing myself uh-huh. out this. Like, Yeah. So I would rather go that way than go this way. Yes. Um, so Cora was on the ledge yelling, oh my God, they're all dead. Oh, ugh. So okay. the woman across the street, Judy, heard her yells, and at first she thought it was like... She said it sounded, I think, like a cat or something. And then she just, like, she kind of disregarded it. It was, like, 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. Any noise that you hear at first, the other... I'm inserting this because it totally applies. We sleep with our bedroom windows open right now because it's hot outside. Yeah. We heard someone the other night. Hopefully, if anyone that lives near me listens to this podcast and heard it too, we heard a woman yell. It was, like sun was maybe coming up but it wasn't quite bright enough we heard a r- woman yell get your hands off of me and tr- my, my hero husband jumps out of bed <gasps> runs to the window and looks outside and is like i saw one of our neighbors drive away for work that they do every morning that was it there was nothing else nothing there was no women there, but I well, we heard haven't it heard too. anything so yeah haven't Hopefully. heard anything and then of course i tell my mother-in-law this and she is um, worst case scenario at all times, no matter where you are. And she was like, well, there's something where a lady or a baby, you hear a baby cry outside and it's just to get people to go outside so that you, they can rob them. <laughs> oh, I've heard that. Yeah. I have so, heard that. But, yeah. Uh, or uh, then one of them is a baby. So that being said, whole point of me saying that is because, well, sometimes you hear stuff. And at first, my first thought was, well, the dogs are out or something. Like yeah. I, my thought was it was an animal. And then... I heard it again, and then Travis jumped up and was like, and then he turns back and he goes, you did heard you it hear? twice? 
Yeah. Well, That's... we heard like a, a lady yelling, um, like, and so I was, it sounded like an animal. Yes, I'll say it, it sounded like an animal. And so, and then by the time he was up, I heard the full sentence too, was get your hands off of me. Okay, well, let's hope that nothing happened. Yeah. So and maybe it was like was the person no that was place. driving to work, they just like got in a fight with their boyfriend and yeah. they like we came live, out and you're like. We live in a neighborhood of a ton of different people. It's very people. populated. Yeah, so. there's a ton of different people, ton of different family, fam, families, families that are, you know, around there. I... Or maybe even, let's just put it in a different context, and this is why crimes don't get reported. Yeah. My thought was, maybe they were being playful. Ha ha. Yeah, they're just in bed. It's like, get your <laughs> but hands like, off But like, really me. loudly in the butt crack of dawn. <laughs> I mean, I, you never know. That, you never the know. The butt crack of dawn isn't always the butt crack of dawn to everybody. Yeah. And so. also, my mother-in-law's name is Dawn, so every time we say the butt crack of dawn. Hi, Dawn. Hi, <laughs> I don't. Anyways, shout out. She won't ever listen. We're fine. <laughs> We're good. She's a, she's not True. a murderer. Tanner's off. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Number one fan but right there. I can talk. Anyways, I'm done. So she heard. Judy heard this call out, and at first she disregarded it. Then it, the second time she heard it, she was like, "That sounds like a child." And oh. she looks out her window, and she sees the girl across the street Dumb up in distressed. this um this ledge, and she's like, "They're all dead." And oh, I got chills. Yeah. Oh man, I just got chills. So Judy, because what do you do? Yeah. So Judy, this is what you do. Judy ran across the street and entered the house. And oh, she went into the house. Okay. The door wasn't locked. Yeah. I mean, I probably would have been like, I'm gonna call nine one one. Who's all dead? Yeah. Who's they? I'm um hi. Yeah. Like I yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So she ran in, and so she was familiar. They were neighbor. I think they actually all went to school together. Okay. I think this ended so up being that... kind of like a schooly area. Like Chemeketa has a couple streets where or it's like, like Corvallis. Yeah. 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 Way better example. Yeah. Um. So oh, that's you for anyone who's interested or <laughs> wondering what we're talking about. Um. So they she entered the house and she found Gloria Davies body who was just, on the couch up front correct yes the yeah. one that had been on the couch and her body was just lifeless uh-huh. and she was nude uh-huh. yeah so judy then ran from the house and got their house mother because they had like house mothers around that area mm-hmm. um who didn't share the same room i think it's basically like a dormitory like the, that's whatever. what you get when you get to be a mother yeah house mother you get a whole different area right yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, because it's basically, I forgot what they're called, in a dorm where they just, like, watch out after. Oh, yeah. You know mm. what I'm talking about. So that's I basically do, yes, that's basically what she someone was. Someone somewhere is yeah. listening and yelling what they're it like, is. They're like, yeah, idiots. <laughs> Why the fudge sickle? Don't you know this? <laughs> Sorry. Because I didn't att- I attended community college. Thank well, you. see, I, I made the attempt to go to college, but I moved to Las Vegas to go to college. I did not finish college. No house mothers. <laughs> um, so they entered the, so the house mother entered the house and Judy was with her. Basically, they saw her body. And all in all that night, I'm just going to name all of his victims. Mm-hmm. I said there's a lot. So there was eight. Uh-huh. Um, Gloria Davy, Patricia Matuzek, Nina Schmali, Pamela Wilkening, Suzanne Ferris, Marie Ann Jordan, Merlita Gargulo and Valentina Passion. Okay. So those were all of his victims that night. Someone heard basically all the commotion flag down Daniel Kelly, who was an officer, and he had only been on patrol for about 18 months. Oh. So like he had only Maybe. been active mm-hmm. for about 18 months. I was the whole thing the whole time that the story's going on, I'm wondering 
How did nobody hear this? I have no idea. You know, if there was, let's Well, and I think, just... I think a lot of the girls were gagged as well. Okay. So, okay. I mean, that definitely does. Yeah. But, like, a townhouse. Yeah. How do you gag that many women without them? Uh... Well, and that's why when you said, when I was talking about yours, and I was like, I don't want to do any spoilers, but. Yes. That's eight... the spoiler you're talking yeah, about. I'm eight... like, girl, I already told. When you said that in the middle of mine, I'm like, I think I've spoiled my story already. <laughs> no, but, like, gotcha. eight, eight women and. Grown I mean, women. Yeah. Grown, yeah. I don't really, I don't know. Um, I just, I just know that. It, yeah, no. Everyone handles a situation different. We yeah. have come a long way and have heard too many stories like this. So I don't know that nowadays that would necessarily be something that's as accomplishable. Yeah. Guess, but no, I completely agree. Either way. But yikes. I mean, you never know. You it, truly. Yeah. So they grabbed this officer and he entered the townhouse. And the first person he saw was Gloria Davy. And it was a girl that he used to date's little sister. Oh, no. Yeah. So he freaked out. And he was upset, like, about the whole scene, obviously, that he just walked into. Yeah, because you're a human doing a non-human job. Yeah, and you're doing a non-human job, and you walk in and you see someone you know. Uh Uh-huh. Like, just dead Uh and nude, and just, like, uh you see this and you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. my God. So, and he hadn't been on the job very long, so I'm sure he wasn't as familiar as maybe, unfortunately, some more seasoned police officers Or even officers if so, are. he just, yeah, no, there is, it, uh, there is yeah. no, uh, I don't even, I'm trying to say the word is excuse, it's not excuse, there's no problem with, there's yeah. nobody, no harm in that, that you have a reaction like that. Exactly. No matter how long you are. So uh, he uh, like got on his radio and he's like, help me, help me, help me. This is a direct quote. It says, help me, help me, help me. Oh my God. I dated her sister. Oh my God. I had never seen anything like this. Give me the sergeant. Give me my lieutenant. Oh God. Oh, that poor boy. Right? Mm-hmm. So a radio police reporter, Joe, heard the call and went to the crime scene. So he like came in and he's like, what's going on? He was like, it's a homicide. Yeah. And so the reporter walks like in. It's clearly a homicide, but then. <laughs> yeah. So he walks in and then he walks upstairs and then he literally ran out of the house and was puking. Mm-hmm. He like was in, in the front and he just starts puking, realizing that there was so many dead bodies. Oh man. Yeah. So Joe got on his radio um, and he called for more policemen And when they arrived, they saw Joe outside puking and literally said to him, Hey, Joe, what's the matter? Can't take it. You must be getting old. Oh, no. Having no idea. Like, obviously, they have no idea. And this is a quote from the reporter that was there? Or the reporter was the the guy that walked out? The reporter was the guy that, like, walked around the whole area. And threw up. And then came out and puked. And then the cops... So while he's throwing up, he made sure to make note of what they're saying to him. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And so, I mean, obviously rude guys, but they really didn't know what they were walking into. They walked it. A lot of them just were out there puking with him. Yeah, I bet they, somewhere in their barfing situations, felt some sort of understanding. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that. We're all getting old. Yeah. Or this is just, it's just such an inhumane thing. Yeah. Also, your age has nothing to do with this. That's very true. Um, And this is awful. So, very. So, when it came to announcing the crime to the public, they decided to say that only the throats of the victims had been slit. Um, 
And that was because only the killer and police force would know the extent of what actually had happened. So maybe they were trying to throw... They are telling everyone who didn't know that... Oh, you guys don't know. But they knew that the real killer would know that not everyone's throat was slit. Yeah, exactly. Because they all died in very different ways. Right. So Cora told the police everything that had happened. And they had a full description of Speck. Um, Since the area of the town that the house was... It wasn't very, it wasn't like a super frequented area. Um, they figured the person might have been a little bit more comfortable in the area. And uh, by him, because she probably knew it was a house full of women. Well, and Cora heard him say, are you the one in the yellow dress? Right. So okay. obviously he had seen her before. Somewhere else. Because she wasn't wearing a yellow dress that night? No. Okay. And this was right next to the union, or the hall. Oh, Oh, I forgot that part. Yes. Okay. So it was right it was right next to somewhere where he was frequented very yes. very commonly. Okay. Um so he they thought the person might be comfortable with the area. They found a station. Um so when all of that happened with Speck and the assignment that didn't go through, that fell through for him, um, he had left his bags at a station. I believe it was a gas station. It was some kind of station. I'm not sure what kind okay. of station. Could have been a Definitely not a space station. Potentially <laughs> like, a gas station. It could have been station. a gas station. It could have been like a train station. It was something. Okay, somewhere that um, he, and left he left back it. Yeah, he in left a public it a, place. He left it with an attendant, um, and the attendant recommended a hotel for him. So when the authorities questioned the agent at the Union Hall, where he had originally got right. his assignments and everything like that, he remembered a seaman who um, was upset because the, the assignment was canceled, and that... The man was Richard Speck. Okay. He was like, that guy, because she had a description of what he looked like. She was like, he's like, that guy actually sounds familiar. Uh So the police officers told the agent to call his brother-in-law because he knew that he was basically recruited by his Mm brother-in-law and see if he could, if the brother-in-law, Gene, could get a hold of him. Mm -hmm. So he said, like, they were like, just tell they didn't tell him what was going on. They were like, we have a new assignment for him. Can you have your brother come in here? Definitely good that they had the brother because... If they knew where he was, and they're like, hi, it's the police. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So the brother-in-law called around local bars. He knew that he was a drinker, and he found Speck. At a bar? What? At a bar? Yeah. So they he called, and he was like, hey, they have an assignment for you. So Gene was like, hey, the ship Sinclair is about to... Um, sail out and they like oh, there's lied ass- to him with a job yeah they were like there's an assignment open you just need to go to union hall speck unfortunately however knew that sinclair had taken off two days before oh no yeah so he used the wrong one so Shoot. yeah so he never showed up to the union hall to collect his assignment at this and point, probably then knew suspicious things well, were happening yeah and then he saw like a bunch of stuff on the news it oh, started God. to get released um, so at this point, the authorities knew where Speck was, though. They knew that they had found him at that General bar. General vicinity. Yeah, so he headed that way. He So Speck had called a cab once he saw it, like his face on the news and everything. And once all of this had gone down, he was like, I need to call a cab. I need to get out of here. And he was with one of his local drinking friends. <laughs> um, so he had a few drinking friends, and they all like come in and out of play because they were in They're drunken... just good people that are drunks. <laughs> They were, I mean, Shady some of them, but they okay. were, like, in drunken binges together. And so while the cops were, the cops entered, and they started talking to the bartender, and Speck was actually still in the bar. 
And then a cab driver comes in and was like, hey, I'm here for, and didn't Uber's say. Uber's here. <laughs> no, it said like, I forgot what the name was, but they called out a different name. And oh. then, because he had told he gave the, them he a different He told the cab name. a different name. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And so they called out a different name. He like drank his beer super quick. Him and his friend took off, got in the cab. Of course he still drank that beer. <laughs> He did, yeah. It's, like, known that he finished that beer. After, so, and this is while the cops are asking about him. And he's, like, just great timing for him. He's probably, like, drinking his beer watching them. Yeah, he's sounds like, like a great guy. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. So, Speck and his friend got in this cab, not really knowing where they were going. Like, yeah. So, and they were eventually dropped off at the Cabrini Green. What the heck is that? It's a bar. Okay. Awful name. Surprise. Moving on. <laughs> Um, so they continued on drinking their drinking excursion, and he ended up meeting a girl and going back to a ho- uh, hotel room. Oh, no. While the police are out looking for him, he gets in a cab and meets a lady. Yeah. And is like... In a different bar. Still in the mood. Yep. And so in the middle of the night, this girl ran downstairs to that hotel and was like, this man has a gun. <gasps> okay. So... Who, the gun in which he probably stole from the lady that he raped, right? Mm-hmm, Good mm-hmm, lord. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the cops are called, and when they went to his room, they found Speck. So she disappeared. She took off. The cops came. They found him. They were, like, standing above him. There was a gun poking out of his pillow. But the cops weren't aware of the... So not um, all of the cops were aware of the identity of this guy right. who had killed everybody. Of, like, the connection. Yeah. At this point, he's just a... There's a different crime happening. Yeah, there's a weirdo with a gun that pulled a gun on a girl. Okay. So they com- confiscated the gun and left. Oh. Oh, he, no. Yeah. So he went back to the bar, and during that time, the cabbie... He went that, back to the freaking bar? <laughs> he liked his God alcohol, damn. Alcoholic, dude. So he went back, and then the cab, the cab driver that had dropped him off had noted... He didn't really know where he was going. He they he just like take me somewhere. Specs like drive, just keep driving, just keep driving. We're going to the opposite side of town. And then he like saw a bunch of stuff about him. He's like, oh my god, he- that's the guy I just dropped off. Oh, okay. So the cab the cab driver alerted the authorities. Um, that and- was a question that I had. Is he leave? He flees the scene and then does change clothes? I don't think so. So. Well, zero i no, know that he, he had taken off he had so this is like the next like when he was at the when like the, he called the cab driver and mm-hmm. everything that was the next day so okay he like so, went home or went to his the inn he was staying at he slept he so showered just this part the face facial areas the uh, yeah. appearance okay okay and so he actually had a knife on him oh. um when he showed up to the bar with his friend before like the police showed up. Okay. The cab driver. So he was at a bar hanging out, had a knife on him, and he sold that knife. Okay. That knife later is... Oh, the knife. The okay. knife. All so, right. Yeah, so he, he... Speck knew they were getting close to him. Yeah. So he went back to... He was staying at, like, this little grimy... Ho- it wasn't even a hotel. Basically, my garage. And if you stuck, like, there's a couple windows and then, like, almost, like, cubicles. Okay. Like to, like, just the little rooms mm-hmm. where people would stay. I think it was like 85 cents a night. Oh. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Their inflation. Sounds like, a, ooh, yeah. So he, we know I'm bad with inflation, so it's <laughs> definitely not a dollar fifty a night nowadays. No. Means no. it's probably $80 a night. <laughs> Something like that. So he bought a bottle of wine and he broke the bottle of wine and then slit both his wrists. What? Uh, okay. So, after he slit his wrist, he started pleading for help. 
And one of his drinking buddies actually realized, so he had seen something and mm-hmm. then went knew where he was staying, went back to kind of like, I don't know if he was going to confront him, what he was doing, walked up. He had slit his wrist. He was like dying. He went back and then made an anonymous phone call to the police. I was like, hi, my friend. He was like, hey, this guy, like, I think he's the guy. The police didn't send out a car. (laughs) So this spec ends up still, like, getting attention of people because he's in, like, a little cubicle area and it slid his wrist. Mm -hmm. And they called um, an ambulance. An ambulance picked him up. And (laughs) I know. (gasps) It's like, you get away with this. You get away with this. You slip by like this. It was ridiculous. And then you try and off yourself and take what I'm well, a lot of people call the easy way out in this situation and then realize this does suck to die yeah call me an ambulance stat yeah he's Ugh. like just call me an ambulance like yeah. begging for water so <laughs> he was yeah so once he was in the emergency room a resident his name was Leroy Smith was examining his body and wounds and noticed a tattoo that read born to raise hell on his oh, body. Oh, good, good, good. All good things. He asked a nurse to grab the paper and realized that it was Richard Speck that was laying there. Uh, how do you think he crapped his pants? Do you think he did it right there in front of her? <laughs> or do you think he walked to the bathroom and crapped his pants? Like, yeah. how do you think that was? So, when Speck asks him for some water, Smith literally just grabs him by the neck and he was like, did you give those nurses some water? <gasps> and just drops him. Bitch. Back on the gurney. He's like, Fuck you, dude. Holy <laughs> And Julie. I'm like, yes, Leroy Smith. Oh, Leroy Smith. <laughs> Yikes. Um, yeah. So then he, there was a cop apparently like watching somebody else in the hospital. So he went and grabbed the cop. He's like, I have this dude. You need to monitor someone else. <laughs> yeah. This is way more. Yeah. So they called like all of the cops. They're like, get over here. So obviously a trial began and the defense was trying to say he wasn't fit to stand trial Blah, blah, blah. 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 <laughs> like what they always say. Uh-huh. Um, they did move the trial to, into another jurisdiction because they said he couldn't receive a fair trial in Chicago, which I get. Uh-huh. I right. Mean, yeah. Uh, fuck you, dude. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants you to die here, so let's yeah. try this somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. So they had like his fingerprints, clothes he had worn, a knife, the the knife that we had talked about, the knife he sold. Right. Um, and honestly, the nail in the coffin was when they interviewed, so they, there was obviously a living victim. They right. interviewed Cora during the, um, during the test, or... Court. <laughs> they interviewed Cora, and she was asked to identify the man who killed her friends. Cora calmly opened the door to the witness box, walked up to Speck, looked at him, just looked him straight in the eye, and said, this is the man. Good. This is the man that killed my friends. Good. She's somewhere in her, Pamela was there. <laughs> yeah. Probably rooting her on. Right? She's like, I was like, remember right. when I said I would spin his face? Wait, she already did. Exactly. Good. Um, yeah, which was, uh, when I read that, I was like, because I couldn't imagine. I honestly think I'd be scared. Timid. I, uh, yeah, you don't just want, like, ugh. Just weird. However, I can say from the tiny little bit of trauma I've ever experienced, when you're when it's still happening, it doesn't that sort of trauma, unfortunately, whatever level of trauma, I don't think as like a human it doesn't catch up with you till a little later. So yeah. I think if you're still having the opportunity to be like, Yeah, this is happening, this is happening, then you can still I can't speak for everyone. I've definitely never gone through that and hopefully somewhere in her it was still a little bit of that, God, I gotta be here for Pamela. Yeah, yeah. 
Because um, obviously it was. Agreed. <laughs> so on April 5th, 1967, after 49 minutes of deliberation, the jury found Richard Benjamin Speck guilty of murder, and he was sentenced to death. Good. Due to an error. Uh, God, every damn time you tell a case, I say good too early. <laughs> so due to an error with the... Er. <laughs> Up and her. Due to an error with the jurors being unconstitutionally excluded. because So there's like 650 jurors and they like were excluding and getting rid of them, blah, blah, blah. Which so the way cases. that they chose their jurors. Yeah. But just due to whatever reason, um, they got rid of the death penalty and he was sentenced. So he had to be resentenced. Okay. He was okay. sentenced to a minimum of 400 years. Okay. To... Man, when you said due to an error, I got worried. If he would have somehow gotten away, I would have been like, well, I'm I mean, mine just, killed I'd a give up. crap ton of children and might be out this year. I don't know the Ugh. further details. So. so a minimum of 400 years to a maximum of 1,200 years. <laughs> That's the best maximum I've ever heard. <laughs> right. Yeah, you and 12 of your children. You so. <laughs> also, his poor, I forgot he had a daughter, and I feel so bad for her. Oh, right. Uh, yes, I do feel bad for her for being related to him. Yes. That part sucks. Ooh. Sorry, daughter. I did, that, somehow that just popped in my head, and I was like, oh, no. I, yeah, forgot that detail. Um, but on December 5th, 1991, he died of a heart attack. Oh, good, good. Karma. Which... I don't know the heart attacks are karma. <laughs> yeah. But. But, so I, well, and what is weird to me is that that's what his dad died of. Oh, that's true. I forgot But that. his dad was so like, so apparently his dad time. was the complete opposite of his stepdad mm-hmm. and was just like a super nice, good guy. So and if he like, would have raised him, what? Like, maybe he would have I mean, you shown never know. him how to deal with his failure yeah and he might not have became a raging alcoholic like right. a lot of things could have happened oh definitely the alcoholic part for sure has a huge part of it but also someone that's uh not a good person already and has a crap ton of soft air or whatever you call them soft light air. crime light crime, light crime. <laughs> Ugh, i never mind so yeah so i mean you never know but it's it's just sad to think about like the way that you grow up how it could have it could have possibly you never know yes. he could have definitely ended up the way he ended up but it also could have it's changed. in every situation with it's that level of awfulness yeah. you always wonder where it went wrong or where the, the and could something have changed this uh-huh that and it's easy of. to assume that perhaps the awful dude that raised him had a huge part in it yeah but you mean and maybe that's why his mom was so i'll take care of you i don't want to get you to get in trouble mm-hmm. that kind of thing maybe there was some guilt in there but also who knows yeah nope also i'm not done and so he's dead i was gonna be like also we're not psychiatrists we can't make this very true but... we are just guessing yeah but the weirdest thing like we're really uneducated psychiatrists as far as that uneducated. goes the most like experience i have is my mom is a rehabilitative counselor oh right so i right. definitely received a lot of well destiny did you think about this one <laughs> and i'm like oh, okay mom see I similar but my mom as is stated is a bartender she was like <laughs> well ronica did you drink no mom i did okay then you're fine you're, you're fine right. you're okay <laughs> okay so back to what i was saying though so the weirdest thing happened after he was dead and a television anchor received videos from an anonymous person that showed multiple inmates including speck 
So this isn't, I mean, this isn't the weirdest thing, but this is super weird that this happened. Um, so it, it was basically just these videos. And I had kind of mentioned these videos to you earlier. Oh, did you? I think yeah. I heard you say videos. I was That's like, it. I saw a video on my lunch and I, was, <gasps> I wanted to vomit. Right. So it had Speck using cocaine, like multiple. Like in, while he was in an inmate? Prison. Okay. Yeah. And so multiple like inmates, like it had him, or it, this, I didn't see this, but apparently like the full video had him giving oral sex to another inmate. Okay. Um, he was in silk panties, wa- just walking around in silk panties, and he had breasts. Oh, so like he, he was had, taking some sort of enhancement? He smuggled hormones in there to kind of help with, like, the life he was living in there. Uh-huh. To, like, I don't know if he was trying to be, like, kind of female-esque. Uh-huh. But, so he, He's like, had Some sort of breast. not domed. He was in, like, That's silk it. underwear. He, yeah, I watched it today and I was like, I'm so. literally going to frickin' yak all over the place. I mean, the thing for me is, out of context, you want to do that? Super, yeah. Like, oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. This is to. when super applies. Yeah. yeah. No, out of context, I'm all of those things. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, good. For uh, none me. of none of that stuff would creep me out. But it, under the knowledge that you have done awful things, it just it does it does well, make you it, feel. And I will like even. go back on that. Is it says that he the reason he was taking those hormones is to make it so he was more appealing in prison. Uh, so it wasn't right. because it's like I totally so he was that's doing totally it understandable if right. you are doing those things like on out your of, own. Yeah. Out of that's context, a totally different yes. story. Which we, as people, anyone that knows us, we don't have to say that. But yeah. if you don't know us, out of context, we're not here to judge that part of it. However, and also it actually that means he's taking those for himself because yeah. he's trying to be more appealing to the people that he yeah yeah. It truly it's strange to me that there was no further diagnosis for him because it. It seems like there had to have been some sort of yeah. underlying. Uh, it's that's a there's I, something there's there's definitely a lot more that like isn't known. There's something going on that under pressure he snaps <laughs> yeah. and turns into whatever is going on around him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I completely out of agree. prison, bad guy. In prison, not even a guy. <laughs> yeah, he's still just very. He's manipulative. Mm-hmm. He's trying to like do what he can to get what he needs slash wants. Exactly. That's just the kind of guy that he is. Car salesman. So, <laughs> God. So back to what um, the video. Mm-hmm. So one of the inmates in the video asked why he killed the girls, and he said, it just wasn't their night. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Oh, God. And then they <sighs> asked how he feels about it, like how he feels about the fact that he murdered them. Mm-hmm. And he said, like I always felt. I had no feeling, and these are direct quotes. Oh, I'm sure. I had no feeling. If you're asking me if I felt sorry, no. And that was my case. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, that's a great note to end on. But, so I did, I will throw it out here, as I mentioned, like, kind of vaguely, like, I was like, have you heard of this one? Since you had heard Mm -hmm. of my one last week, I was like, have you heard of this? Yes. What did you say to me? Okay, so, she did say, spec. And I did say, oh, Speck, uh, is, there a, is there like a Bob? <laughs> I said Bob, which I don't even know if you heard me say. I was I like, didn't. Bob, William Speck. And then as soon as he said, I was like, 
Oh, 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 oh. Well, I said, because does that have to do, did you, you know said something about all, nurses? Yeah, all you said was Chicago, and then I was like, oh, and you said, um, a bunch of nurses, and as soon as you said a bunch of nurses, I was like, oh, have you seen that episode of American Horror Story? And instantly, we decided, or I mean, we concluded that I had Googled before when I, I was late to the game in American Horror Story, so it took me a while, um, to watch it, but then when I had watched it, I had listen to something or watch something else um and instantly was like wait a second is this the guy just like in the second uh season of American Horror Story where they clearly link very well-known serial killers that's yeah. what I was asking and as it turns out I was right it was the same guy Murder House which is my favorite yes. season Murder and House. she brought it up to me and I was like oh <gasps> Oh my god! And then I put a visual to everything, and it was that much. It worse. makes a lot. Yeah, like, uh, we. Well, no. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense, and then it also hurts harder because. Yeah. Well, in that one, they only had two nurses, too. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I think there's. I'm pretty Maybe sure. Maybe three. Yeah. Maybe it's probably three. better for people that are watching that show that are already knowing what they're getting into. That it. You watch that show, and it's like. Hollywood version of bad stuff. Yeah, I might and honestly it, go back and watch it just to see that scene, and I feel really bad about saying that. But it, I don't know. This whole entire when I oh yeah, so I have to throw it out there. <laughs> I have to. I almost. I don't know. I almost didn't. But Kaylee recommended this to me. Um, it's actually her birthday today. So happy, happy birthday, happy birthday, Kaylee. You were actually. I was. That's a long. I was supposed to celebrate your birthday, and we forgot it was Monday Fun Day, but. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Kaylee. Thank you for recommending this case because when once you sent it to me, I was like, what? And I was like, eight nurses. Like, let's see where this goes. And I, like, kept unfolding. And I was like, oh, my God. And she's yes. like, my mom told me about this. And I thought I'd send it to you so you could look it up. And maybe you could do one on it. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it next week. Done. Yeah. And I was just, but I was flabbergasted by, like, all of the information and, like, how intense and I also think that. Was. Overall, this has come to my knowledge that I am super aware of, like, your general American serial killers. Yeah. They're, like, they're pretty, which I didn't know that until you started doing them. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I I should not be proud of the fact that I know this. <laughs> so there's a few that, but also a lot of them I've heard maybe one time in my life. Yeah. Or I'd heard it one other time, saw American Horror Story was like, oh, that reminds me of something I just watched. So it's good to, it's not good, but it's. It's an interesting refresher. My hobby is this, unfortunately. Yeah. This is part of, this is something I'm into. So it's just something you It's a good refresher and it's good, it's a good reminder that, that I now know way more details than I knew before and now I'm not going to forget them. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Eek, sorry. And that's that, I guess. Yeah. I that's mean. Urge. Those were Maybe some, those we were should intense, talk about our. That was a ending. lot of people. We did a lot of people dying. This we episode. did a lot of people dying. So sorry, everyone. Also, sorry, baby brother Tanner, because <laughs> I just know you're a you're a soft man. <laughs> He's, <laughs> He's like, so delete nice. that. <laughs> Not gonna happen. Mm-mm. Thanks for hanging out, guys. At this point, you've been here for a while. If if you have listened to however many episodes we have out at this point. Yeah, and if you're just getting started, thanks for joining us. If you are, yes, thank you. And if you made it to this point, whoever you are, we love you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've been doing it for a while, or I mean, for enough time now to have established a good amount of people that were like, this is great. Well, yeah, and we released episode five today, and it was like, 
already? Yeah. Already five? Yes. So thanks everyone who listens. Um, if you are new here, um, you can find us on Instagram at Crime Wives Podcast. Also, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter under that same name. <laughs> so exactly. follow us there. Um, please, the thing that obviously we care about the most is if you rate, review, give us some comments, wherever it is. Um, but also, the thing we care about the most is if you like us. Like, if you listen to us and you enjoy us, let us know. Yeah. If you listen to us and you would like to hear something specific, let us know. <laughs> exactly. Please do. Also, I am going to do a quick thing, is I'm pretty sure while this releases... I'm going to be in Chicago. Oh, exciting. <laughs> or scary. Um, but when are you going to Chicago? What are the exact dates? Uh, in a few weeks. I go the 19th. Oh, okay, the so yeah, you are something. going. Yeah, I'm going for work. So I'm going in a few weeks. A few and... weeks. And then after that, she's going to Chicago. I'm going to Disneyland. And we're going on some vacation. Yeah, we're, we're making this summer real summery. But we're still going to get you content. Yeah, don't worry. So you might hear some two-part podcasts. You never know. We'll see. Yeah, exactly. And thanks also for um, any recommendations. Like, well, like I already said, this one came from Kaylee. We really appreciate that. I mean, it just it's nice to be like give you a shout out a because you're giving me this whole case I can look into more. And I, for example, this case didn't know much about it, so it was great to actually dive into it. So please just keep giving us um, all of that feedback. And, I mean, thanks for listening to us. Yeah, the feedback is the motivation. Exactly. The interaction. We love it. Yeah. So thanks, everyone. Follow us, like us, do that stuff. Or don't. Just keep listening. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Crime Wives, out.